Welcome to the Be Real Podcast. I'm Diana Gasparoni. I'm a visionary psychotherapist, CEO, and founder of Be Well Psychotherapy and Be Her Programs. I am Ednisha Salisbury. I am a therapist, speaker, trainer, and co-creator of Black Woman Be Whole. Each week, we will talk about the journey of mental health wellness. We will talk about why your mental health is just as important as your physical health and the connection that being mentally well has on all areas of your life. We will be interviewing psychotherapists, doctors from both Eastern and Western disciplines, authors, change makers, thought leaders, and more. Our mission is to bring you information that is both thought provoking and encourages you to look closer at your mental and emotional well-being. We give you tips and insights to taking the next steps. If you have already gotten into the door, we'll get you to go a little deeper. Each week, we're going to have real conversations, helping you work through your mental wellness questions and reminding you that you are not alone. Mental wellness is our passion. We practice what we preach. It is our mission to touch as many souls as we can with this content and leading you to a place of mental clarity and well-being. So for the next hour, let's work together, lay back on the couch and get real. Am I here with my co-host? Is she here? You know, I am here today. I'm just joining you right up here. Okay. Looking yep. all cute. I see you with the Be Well Merchant merch on. I'm, yes. Okay, we'll talk about I, that later, but Diana's looking cute in her cute t-shirt. I am. And I'm super excited today because it's one of our mini-sodes, which means we have one of our own in the house today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Suheili Nunez. Hey, Jump on in and tell everybody who you are. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me today, by the way. Uh, So a little bit about myself. What can I say? So I'm currently a full-time therapist at Be Well. Therapy has just always been a passion for me. I just, it's so fulfilling. And I also am an educator. So I'm an adjunct professor and I've been doing that for a couple of years. And it's always funny whenever I talk about how I got into academia, because it kind of ties into what we're going to be talking today, which is this imposter phenomenon. I never saw myself in academia just speaks to how insidious it can be and how it can creep up on you and cause you to lose a lot of opportunities if you don't check it, right? If you don't check yourself and if you don't check that imposterism that can rear its ugly head. So if I can just kind of quickly go over how that happened and how that ties in. Oh yeah. I want to know, I want to know how you got into academia. Come on. Tell us all about it. So So as long as our listeners know, we're talking about imposter syndrome today, guys. Right. So just jump right in it. This imposter phenomenon or syndrome or experience, you can use those words interchangeably. Uh, I had a, a professor who was a friend and she reached out to me and she said, you know, hey, the, the head of the department, the chair, they lost your number. Can I give it to them because they want to offer you a position? And I said, it, it can't be for teaching because that makes no sense. I would never be able to do what they do. You know, you go back to when you're in college and how you view your professors, and they're kind of these all-knowing, intelligent, they have all the answers to life, and those were big shoes to fill. So my immediate reaction was definitely not. And then I got off the phone, and I went to my sister, and I said, hey, they are offering me this position, but I shouldn't take it, right? And that line of questioning was just, you know, for her to confirm my gut feeling that I wouldn't be able to measure up. And of course, she said no. And long story short, I'm still teaching, so it worked out. But you know, it just goes to show you, you know, when you have these doubts and how helpful support can be to have people believe in you in those moments when you can't really believe in yourself. Well, I'm super excited that you had the support and that you took that position. Where do you see imposter syndrome showing up in the work? 
in the room? It can show up in so many different settings and it affects so many different people, right? Mm -hmm. The most common kind of environment that we talk about is an academic setting, right? Of course, because you're with classmates, you're constantly looking over your shoulder, comparing yourself. And oftentimes in college, you're in classes with people who have a similar goal, right? Because you have uh, the same or similar major. So you're comparing yourself, you're questioning the grounds on which you've been accepted into that program. In the workplace, right? You're questioning, how did I get this position? This due to affirmative action. Did I get this for some other reason other than the fact that I deserve that position? Getting into a new environment, right? Where you're new, that can cause people to feel very vulnerable. Social interactions, relationships, whether it's platonic or romantic, right? Oftentimes we, we seek that validation, not that it's enough, but we crave that and we can find ourselves sometimes in very codependent relationships. And like I said, it affects a lot of people. The initial studies focused on women, but what we've learned, it doesn't just affect women. It affects so many other people. It affects men. It affects people from marginalized groups in a similar way. Um, yeah, I mean, when I hear when I hear imposter syndrome, and I hear I, I hear it most. I do in the work that I do. I think I hear it most in my my own caseload. I mean, everybody knows the work that I do. I'm a therapist, just like everybody else. <laughs> like suddenly, like oh, I do something. But I do hear it a lot from women. Like, what it? They're gonna find out that I don't really know anything, and I'm like, mm, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> and it's like. No. You think you don't know what you're doing. Right. Right. That's where we have to check ourselves because if you think about a cycle or a circle, right, mm -hmm. and it, this can happen throughout your life, these thoughts, these feelings, they can linger, but it doesn't have to be tied to one specific moment or one specific isolated event. But oftentimes it peaks when there's a task at hand, when there's an opportunity, when there's a proposition, an engagement, some form of interaction. And that can be very triggering. And that's kind of how it starts when we have this event, when there's an expectation. And the expectation can be very explicit or implied, or we think that there's an expectation. And then that's when the questioning starts to happen. Can I do this? Am I the right person for this? Do I even know how to do this? And then in that cycle, then we start to feel some anxiety and we start to compare. And you know what they say, comparison is the thief of joy. And that's so true because when you start to compare, you're comparing your most. Not here. I did not know that's what they never say. heard that one. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> you, I want to be part of that community that says there that that says that. Okay, go on. Yeah, I'm really so excited. I never heard that before. Comparison is is the thief of joy because when you're comparing yourself, you're oftentimes you're not comparing yourself in a fair way, right? You're comparing your deepest, darkest most vulnerable parts of yourself just to what you see on the outside and when you do that you never win you're already starting the race behind and then what that does is that's going to feed into that belief that you had that of course i don't measure up but it's not because you actually don't measure up it's just because of where you start comparing yeah this often happens in high achieving people right because it's like there's a difficulty in accepting that like i have accomplished all of these things and a lot of the women who see me, I see that in them. And they can have master's degrees, PhD, and there's still this bit of doubt that they have. And I think that especially 
as a woman of color, as a black woman, I feel it like, do I, um, am I accepted? Do I belong? Right. Even though I, I have all of these accomplishments, there's still this sense of doubt that kind of seeps through and it has to go back to like the self-talk. What are you telling yourself in that moment? And a lot of us are not kind to ourselves in those hard moments. And I think that that would be really important is to be kind to yourself in that moment and, and think about all the things that you have accomplished. So you know that you did those things. And so you can do this other thing too. And sometimes we have to make ourselves believe that because we tend to forget how we got where we are, right? It's, it's hard work and all the other pieces, all the, the support, but like you got here and you can continue to go further. So I think it's about um, giving ourselves some grace and being compassionate and, and really that inner, that inner dialogue that we have with ourselves, it needs to be a kind one. Absolutely. And so you raise a great point how oftentimes it can show up in women who are high achieving, who are, I mean, the initial study was done on women that were, that achieved a lot academically, who were respected in their communities, who had like all these accolades, and they still couldn't internalize. They still couldn't acknowledge their accomplishments. It was always for some external reason that they got to where they're at. Um, and then we learned that, yeah, it can affect men as well. And it can affect people of marginalized groups in terms of minorities, right? I've experienced it as well. When I went to school, I had maybe one professor who was a Latina. Um, and that was actually the one that reached out to me, you know, which it made a difference, right? Because racial stereotypes are very hard to ignore, just like gender stereotype. And when we're still dealing with homophobia and xenophobia and racism and just all this ignorance in the world, that feeling of belonging is so intense. When we excel in an area where the narrative has said that we're not supposed to succeed, when the narrative is challenged, when we find ourselves in a space and we're challenging that narrative, then we start to question, right? So it's not this just innate thing that we have because we are women or because we're men, also there are external factors that kind of can trigger that for us. And this is why, you know, I always say diversity in settings, in a professional setting, in an academic setting, you know, within the family, it, it's so important because when we don't have a role model that we can relate to, it can make us feel not visible. It can make us feel like we're not supposed to be here. Like we got lucky. And that's often what happens is we feel this accomplishment is because we got lucky or just because we overworked. You know, it's never because I'm intelligent. Uh, it's more so I tricked people into thinking I'm more intelligent than I probably am or I'm more competent than I probably am. I think it's interesting because whenever that um, imposter syndrome sets in for me, I just decide to say yes to everything. That's the way I deal with it. I'm like, you know what? Even when you doubt yourself and you want to say no, and Diana knows this, that's why she's laughing. You can't hear her because she's muted. Um, oh, I no, just say I yes. Just off so that, so that I, I just say laugh. yes. I decided. I was like, you know what? Even if I'm scared, even if I'm doubting myself, I'm just going to say yes. Because what I realize is that when I do it, it's really not as hard as I thought it would be. And I can do it. Because I continue to accomplish things. And so all the people who are listening, you continue to accomplish things so you can do it. But you got to steer away from no. Yes, the yes. doubt is going to come. Just don't say no. I just say yes now. Yes, she I'll does, do it. We'll figure it out when I get she there. Just, she just <laughs> says yes. And I, I, do throw, I do throw things at the women on the team, like you, Suheili. And I'm like, just say yes. Just say it. We'll do it. Just say yes. And as you were talking, I was like, I remember, I can remember the day, a day, a day 
where I was, I was in an, it was like one of the first offices that I had rented and I was doing something and I was, there was a woman who I had rented the office from and I was like thinking about all these things. And then suddenly I was like, wait a second, she's not smarter than me. (laughs) I was like, hold up, hold up. She is not. And like, it was that moment where I could like be able to say that to myself. And that sort of, that I don't necessarily say yes. I just go, oh yeah, she's not smarter than me. Ah, I got this. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this next. I'm going to figure it out. Cause everything, you, everything is figure outable. Uh, I stole that from uh, Marie Forleo. We can quote her <laughs> in the, um, in the show notes, but it, it, I think like once it's like a, a muscle of confidence that you have to like really work at, but it's interesting to me when you were talking, Suheili, what I was thinking about is like instead that we have this narrative that we can't instead of the excitement of the learning, the new and having the new experience. And it, or like somebody's going to find out that I can't do it. Well, of course they don't. You don't know how to do it. You haven't done it yet. Like <laughs> it's like you, you have to learn, like you have to learn and you have to grow and that's how you grow. And instead we go to the negative. Where was it? Uh, we, uh, Anisha, I think you were with me that 70% of our thoughts are negative. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so that like, we have to fight that all the time, that 70% of what we're going to think is negative. Like it is so like when you're given a new exciting opportunity, like academia, like, and look at how successful and how great I mean, I haven't taken your class. I just know from having <laughs> interviewed you and being being around you that the dynamic, your dynamicness is in the room and like that we can't rely on that right away. So it's such an interest, like where, where is the, where is the intervention in the lifetime, in the lifespan? Like, what do we do as clinicians? Like where, where do we, where do we intervene in this There are so many things to do. My first recommendation for anything is to be a therapist. You know, not just because I'm a therapist, but because I've experienced just the wonderful benefits of therapy, you know, and especially when we're talking about this phenomenon that there's a lot of shame that surrounds it. And like I say, shame can be a silencer. We don't want people to know our secret, right? And what's more confidential than therapy, right? Where you can have that space where your secret can still be safe with you and you can work through that with your therapist, right? It's also great to talk about it in social settings with your friends and with your families, but that's not where we see it. We see it being talked, you know, for educational reasons, which is great, but not so much with our coworkers, with our other classmates, with our family, because of this belief that we're the only ones going through this. And once you start that conversation with them and let them know, like, hey, studies say 70% of people will experience this in a room full of 10 people. Like those are pretty good odds that somebody else has had that experience. (laughs) So if you just talk about it and say, Hey, I'm struggling with this. You know, I welcome that all the time, whether it's in my class, in the office with uh, the people around me that I love. If you have a question, if you have a concern, talk about it because you're not going to know if you're the only one, unless you speak out, you know, and kind of to tie into what Anisha said about, feelings are not facts. And I think that that's so true. And I remind myself that all the time that I can feel something so strongly, I can think something to be so true, so strongly, but that does not make it right. It does not make it, it's valid, but it doesn't make it accurate. 
because I don't, unless I start to find the proof and the facts that can support that. I also try to look up to role models that have experienced this as well. And there are a lot of very well-known people that have experienced this phenomenon, right? I look up to First Lady Michelle Obama, who she's been very open about talking about this, that, you know, she's been in a room, multiple rooms with very powerful people, and she's experienced it. And she says what has helped her is time and experience. And, and what she says she meant by that is she always thought she was going to fall on her face. She always thought she was going to fail and people were going to find out. And then with time, she realized that moment never came. It never happened. So let me take a step back and kind of just try to look at this more logically. All this time has passed and it never happened. Could that mean, could that, mean that it's not going to happen? That it's just kind of something that I'm projecting? One of my favorite poets, which is Maya Angelou, civil rights activist, she's talked about it as well. You know, and I know her work, brilliant. And she's talked about every time she wrote a book, she thought this was going to be the moment that people will find out and they'll catch on to me. And I look at that and I'm like, that's insane. Like these people are so influential. So if they experience that, then I convince myself, like maybe there's just something going on in my head and I need to check myself. And that's been very helpful for me. I think the beauty of it is to talk about just how common it is, right? Like you're not special if you have this self-doubt, like, you know what I mean? And there's so yeah. many people who are super successful who have this doubt, but they figure out a way to kind of get through it. Right. And so you can too. So I, I think that by us talking about it again, Sue Haley, like you said, is going to be what's most important. And we should be talking about it in our social circles and we should be talking about it in therapy and at work. We should be talking about it everywhere because not seven times out of 10, <laughs> someone else is experiencing it and we can talk about how they got through it. But I really think it's going to be about that self-talk that you give to yourself on a daily basis around what I can do and what I can't do. And maybe the work can't, we got to kind of get rid of that. Like, yeah, I can do it until I can't, right? Like, but I'm going to see if I can do it first. So I think that that's so important. But, you know, we all love therapy. And I think that we finally have a, a term for it. I think that we were probably talking about imposter syndrome for very long, but there was no term for it. Mm -hmm. So now it's something that we can actually identify. But I was reading something and it was like, well, is it a mental illness? I'm like, no, it's not a mental illness. Slow down, guys. No, yeah, no, 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 no. It's just no. a phenomenon. We should just. Right. That's right. it. You're okay. Right. It's all, it's tied in with identity and identity yes. shifting. As we shift and grow and we move into different parts of ourselves and we under, we start to understand ourselves better. Or we like put on that new coat that is the professor, or we put on that new coat that is the entrepreneur and podcast host. Like you're like, Oh, I don't like, is somebody really going to know that? I don't know what I'm doing. Like, oh, we don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe someone will know. And, um, but in that learning curve, and I was thinking about something, I had, it's like a fake it till you make it thing. Right. And like that, that when you know that you are like learning and it feels like you're faking it because you really have no idea. And that is where the anxiety comes in and you have to like really move through that sticky feeling. Anisha, you, you can talk about what it was like when you, I mean, I know we've talked about it before, but when, Anisha, when I asked Anisha to do this and then like, she really had to do it. <laughs> Like, you know, mm -mm. It was a struggle, but you know, it's interesting because we say fake it till we make it, but is it really faking it? No. Right. And I think that that's the crazy thing. It's really not faking it. Is are we giving ourselves the space to learn? Yeah. Or do we believe we just always have to just know? 
And it's like, that's bullshit. Like, how do you just know? I'm sorry, podcast people. Sorry for cursing. Um, how do you just know? You don't. You have to learn. But do we give ourselves the time and space to learn things? And so, Wes, when you came to me, it was like, oh, I can't do that. Like, I, I'm, I'm this. Like, I'm a therapist. I'm not like a podcast host, right? But before I was a therapist, you know, I was something else. And then I became a therapist, right? But giving myself the time to learn on the job, I think that's really what it's about right? Like I'm not faking it. I'm here learning on a job every week when I come, like mm -hmm. I show up and maybe that's really what it's all about. Continue to show up for yourself. That's it. Yeah. And it, I think also, cause we are talking a lot about from like the professional mm -hmm. lens, but yes. it definitely shows up in romantic relationships for sure. That person's gonna, you know, once they learn this about me or once mm. they know this about me, or like, it's almost like you imagine that they don't see you. <laughs> and you're like, but wait, you're, they're still here. <laughs> like they haven't, they haven't learned anything about me. That's like, like, I'm not hiding this deep, dark secret, um, about myself. I think that that's also when we think about imposter syndrome and that, that shift of like moving into partnership is also, there's a big part of that identity shift, that imposter syndrome that goes along with that too. And maybe mm. it's whenever we take on a new identity or a new role, it shows up possibly, right? Mm. Because the new mom, she doesn't know how to be a mom. She's probably thinking, you know, how do I do this? I can't do this. But she does it. She figures it out. The new dad, you figure it out, right? Mm -hmm. The new professor, Suhaili, you figured it out, right? Diana, a business owner, you know, like you, you figure it out. Me, an entrepreneur now, like I'll fi I figure it out. I think that's the beauty of it. But again, I'm like, just say yes. <laughs> just keep saying yes <laughs> so Haley, can you give us three tips that you give to your clients about uh when they come in and they're like with this imposter syndrome and i find that people are actually using the language imposter syndrome when i'm mm -hmm. working with them one of the things that i always do is i encourage that they talk about it with the people around them right not just in therapy that's great that's a safe space but to have that conversation so that they can have the proof themselves that other people are experiencing this right and i think that's very important and we work with our clients to build up to that level of confidence to be able to initiate those conversations writing things down right because we think so much quicker than we can actually speak right so we can tell ourselves over a thousand negative thoughts in like a second Right. So I also encourage people to write things down, to write the positive things down, because as humans, we have this tendency to focus on the negative. Right. Like what was mentioned, if I give you this example and I give this example to my clients, if you're walking down the street and you find a five dollar bill, that's so exciting. Right. And then in that moment, it flies away out of your hand. The frustration that you feel, you're probably going to feel that more intensely than the brief happiness that you had when you found it. Why? You know, because we focus on that. We process those negative thoughts faster and deeper. So write it down, write down the positives of your day so that, you know, it can be more embedded in your head and you can actually focus on that instead of all the things that you can't do. I mean, there are so many things. Find something in the field that you're at that you're good at whether it's uh, in your relationship, whether it's in class, whether it's at work, to balance out those feelings of incompetency and those feelings of uh, feeling inferior, 
right? So if it's if it's uh, at school, right, and, and you have to write a paper, try to write a paper about something that you're really passionate about, where you can shine. If it's at work, try to volunteer, uh, you know, with an area that you shine in. Maybe it's uh, graphic designing or something like that. And it can be a project on the side, right? Um, just to balance it out and not feel incompetent all the time, you know? And there are just so many other things, right? Like I said, I remind myself of people who have experienced this, who have been successful, who have overcame this, and I try to see myself in them. I love that. And for me, it, it really makes a difference. I mean, aligning yourself with Michelle Obama is not a bad thing. <laughs> I mean, like if you want to borrow Michelle Obama's ego to get through the day, and I mean that from a very psychoanalytic perspective, y'all. So, I mean, that is a, that's a nice mirror to have. <laughs> But when, when I see somebody like her, and I think on the outside, she's so put together, right? She's so put together. Uh, even, uh, what's her name? Sonia Sotomayor, where she, you know, was the first Latina to be uh, the Associate Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States. And she was appointed by Obama. When I see people like that, that are so put together, right, and so polished, and they speak so eloquently, I could never tell on the outside that they've struggled. And it goes to show me, I can't judge a book by its cover. Just because people have it all together on the outside, it doesn't mean that they have, that they don't have a struggle internally, you know, and she still got through it. So it gives me hope. And also when I see people that look like me, that, you know, are brown, are Latinas, are, you know, even in a similar age group, and they've made it, it gives me hope. It gives me hope that I can, you know, get past those moments of doubt. Um, I love it all. And it sounds, I, they're perfect tools. I like the writing things down. I like finding a role model in your community. I think that that's super important. Um, these are all really good things, but this is not the only time our listeners get to hang out with you. When, Suheili? Plug, plug your wellness talk. Yeah, so I'm going to be doing a wellness talk webinar on June 22nd at 7 o'clock, and it's going to be live. Mm -hmm. No pressure, Suheili. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. So I'm going to be there with Suheili on the 22nd. So you can go to the website, Be Well Psychotherapy, and you can sign up on the events page. Um, it'll take you to Crowdcast and you can put all your information in. You can sign up with Suheili and we will be there. Um, it'll be presentation and a conversation on imposter syndrome, you'll have the opportunity to ask her some questions directly. And also Sue Haley is taking new patients at Be Well, and she is available Monday through Thursday. So you can also um, get on that contact email, contact at bewellpsychotherapy.com, and you can make an appointment with Sue Haley today. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Sue Haley, and I will see you uh, on the 22nd. Yes. Thank Bye you so guys. much for having me, ladies. Thank you so much. This was great. This was I perfect. I will see you all on the 22nd live. Yes, right. live. I'll be okay. there. Woohoo. All right. Bye. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Be Real podcast. Stay connected to us and subscribe to Be Real wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are feeling it, how about a five-star review? If our conversation sparked a question, join us in the Be Real podcast Facebook group. 
We hope that you have walked away with some new insights, curiosities, and ideas to better help you on your journey to mental wellness and overall well-being. I encourage you to go to BeWellPsychotherapy.com and check out our services and programs. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com. Okay, we have to stop here, but I'll see you next week.